Section 35 of Insurgent Mexico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Margaret Espayat. Insurgent Mexico by John Reed. Part 35 An Outpost in Action. Chapter 11 A People in Arms. Tuesday, early in the morning, the army was in motion again toward the front straggling down the track and across the field. Four hundred raging demons sweated and hammered at the ruined track. The foremost train had made half a mile in the night. Horses were plenty that morning, and I bought one, saddle and all, for seventy-five pesos, about fifteen dollars in gold. Trotting down by San Ramon, I fell in with two wild-looking horsemen in high sombreros, with little printed pictures of Our Lady of Guadalupe sewed on the crowns. They said they were going out to an outpost upon the extreme right wing, near the mountains above Lerdo, where their company was posted to hold a hill. Why should I want to come with them? Who was I, anyway? I showed them my pass, signed by Francisco Villa. They were still hostile. Francisco Villa is nothing to us, they said and how do we know whether this is his name written by him? We are of the Brigada Juarez, Calixto Contreras gente. But after a short consultation, the taller grunted, Come. We left the protection of the trees, striking out diagonally across the ramparted cotton fields, due west, straight for a steep, high hill that already quivered in the heat. Between us and the suburbs of Gomez Palacio, stretched a barren flat plain covered with low mesquite and cut by dry irrigation ditches the cerro de la pila with its murderous concealed artillery lay perfectly quiet except that up one side of it so clear was the air we could make out a little knot of figures dragging what looked like a cannon just outside of the nearest houses some horsemen were riding around we immediately struck north, making a wide detour, carefully on the watch, for this intermediate ground was overrun by pickets and scouting parties. About a mile beyond, almost along the foot of the hill, ran the high road from the north to Lerdo. We reconnoitred this carefully from the brush. A peasant passed whistling, driving a flock of goats. On the very edge of this road, under a bush, was an earthen jar full of milk. Without the least hesitation, the first soldier drew his revolver and shot. The jar split into a hundred pieces, milk spurting everywhere. Poisoned, he said briefly. The first company stationed over here drank some of that stuff. Four died. We rode on. Up on the hill crest a few black figures squatted, their rifles tilted against their knees. My companions waved to them, and we turned north along the bank of a little river that unrolled a narrow strip of green grass in the midst of desolation. The outpost was camped on both sides of the water in a sort of meadow. I asked where the colonel was, and finally found him stretched out in the shade of a tent that he had made by hanging his serape over a bush. "'Get down from your horse, friend,' he said. "'I am glad to welcome you here. "'My house,' pointing quizzically to the roof of his tent, "'is at your disposal. "'Here are cigarettes. 
There is meat cooking on the fire. Upon the meadow, fully saddled, grazed the horses of the troop, about fifty of them. The men sprawled on the grass in the shade of the mesquite, chatting and playing cards. This was a different breed of men from the well-armed, well-mounted, comparatively disciplined troops of Villa's army. They were simply peons who had risen in arms, like my friends of La Tropa, a tough, happy race of mountaineers and cowboys, among who were many who had been bandits in the old days. Unpaid, ill-clad, undisciplined, their officers merely the bravest among them, armed only with aged springfields and a handful of cartridges apiece, they had fought almost continuously for three years. For four months they, and the irregular troops of such guerrilla chiefs as Urbina and Robles, had held the advance ground around Torreon, fighting almost daily with Federal outposts and suffering all the hardships of the campaign, while the main army garrisoned Chihuahua and Juarez. These ragged men were the bravest soldiers in Villa's army. I had lain there about fifteen minutes, watching the beef sizzle in the flames, and satisfying the eager curiosity of a crowd as to my curious profession, when there was a sound of galloping, and a voice, "'They're coming out of Lerdo, to horse!' Half a hundred men, reluctantly, and in a leisurely manner, made for their horses. The colonel rose, yawning. He stretched. "'Blank, blank, the animals of Federals,' he growled. "'They stay on our minds all the time. You never have time to think of more pleasant things. It's a shame they won't even let us eat our dinner.' They were mounted soon, trotting down the bank of the stream. Far in front sounded the pin-pricking rifles. Instinctively, without order, we broke into a gallop, through the streets of a little village where the pacificos stood on the roofs of their houses, looking off to the south, little bundles of their belongings beside them, so they could flee if the battle went against us, for the Federals cruelly punish villages which have harbored the enemy. Beyond lay the stony little hill. We got off our horses, and, throwing the reins over their heads, climbed on foot. About a dozen men already lay there, shooting spasmodically in the direction of the green bank of trees behind which lay Lerdo. Unseen scattering shots ripped from the blank desert between. About half a mile away small brown figures dodged around in the brush. A thin dust-cloud showed where another detachment was marching slowly north in their rear. "'We already got one, sure, and another one in the leg,' said a soldier, spitting. "'How many do you make them out?' asked the colonel. "'About two hundred. The colonel stood bold upright, carelessly looking out over the sunny plain. Immediately a roll of shots swept along their front. A bullet chirped overhead. Already the men had gone to work, unordered. Each soldier picked out a smooth place to lie, and piled up a little heap of stones in front to shield him. They lay down, grunting, loosening their belts, and taking off their coats to be perfectly comfortable. Then they began slowly and methodically to shoot. "'There goes another,' announced the colonel. "'Yours, Pedro.' 
"'Not Pedro's at all,' interrupted another man fretfully. "'I got him.' "'Oh, the devil you did!' snapped Pedro. They quarreled. The firing from the desert was now pretty general, and we could see the Federals slipping toward us under the protection of every bush and arroyo. Our men fired slowly and carefully, aiming a long time before they pulled the trigger, for the months, with scanty ammunition around Torreon, had made them economical. But now every hill and bush along our line held a little knot of sharpshooters, and looking back on the wide flats and fields between the hill and the railroad, I saw innumerable single horsemen and squads of them spurring through the brush. In ten minutes we would have five hundred men with us. The rifle fire along the line swelled and deepened until there was a solid mile of it. The Federals had stopped. Now the dust-clouds began slowly to move backward in the direction of Lerdo. The fire from the desert slackened. And then, from nowhere, we suddenly saw the broad-winged vultures sailing, serene and motionless in the blue. The colonel, his men, and I democratically ate lunch in the shade of the village houses. Our meat was, of course, scorched, so we had to do the best we could with jerked beef and pignole, which seems to be cinnamon and bran ground fine. I never enjoyed a meal so. And when I left, the men made up a double handful of cigarettes as a present. Said the colonel, Amigo, I am sorry that we had not time for a talk together. There are many things I want to ask you about your country. Whether it is true, for example, that in your cities men have entirely lost the use of their legs and don't ride horseback in the streets, but are borne about in automobiles. I had a brother once who worked on the railroad track near Kansas City, and he told me wonderful things. But a man called him a greaser one day and shot him without that my brother did anything to him. Why is it your people don't like Mexicans? I like many Americans. I like you. Here is a gift for you. He unbuckled one of his huge iron spurs, inlaid with silver, and gave it to me. But we never had any time here for talk. These blanks always annoy us, and then we have to get up and kill a few of them before we can have a moment's peace. Under the Alamo trees, I found one of the photographers and a moving picture man. They were lying flat on their backs near a fire, around which squatted twenty soldiers, gorging ravenously flour tortillas, meat, and coffee. One proudly displayed a silver wristwatch. That used to be my watch, explained the photographer. You see, we hadn't had anything to eat for two days, and when we came past here these boys called us and gave us the most magnificent feed I ever tasted. After that I just couldn't help giving them a present. The soldiers had accepted the gift communally, and were agreeing that each should wear it for two hours, from then on until the end of life. End of section 35